In July 2013, a model from Atlanta, Georgia, flies to Las Vegas for a weekend trip that he will never forget. He rents a car from Las Vegas to Los Angeles, but after only an hour and a half into the drive, his car breaks down in Death Valley. California Highway Patrol transport him to a convenience store where he promptly disappears. Two months later, he is found dead with several organs missing. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Ryan Singleton. Welcome to a deep, humid, extra moist basement. Still dark and dank, but the extra moist. For all our lovers of the word moist, I just want to say it as many times as I can. So on the Patreon front, we have two new patrons. We have Stacy McLean, who joined on the $3 sticker tier. So what? And Miss Tanya Brott, who joined on the $10 beer fund tier. Oh, snap. I know that woman. She's awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I used to teach with her. She's a good lady. But come on, 10 bucks? Cusco, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Just playing. Thank you. We got us a five-star review uh, from a lady, I'm assuming, named Patsy G56. Great number. Best number ever. Five stars. She said, I just got into podcast, and this was one of the first ones I've listened to, and I must say, I enjoy the heck out of it. The coach is so funny. Keep up the good work. Well, I happen to agree with this woman. But you also know her. I don't know this woman. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard this name before in my life. She ain't your third cousin twice removed? No, I don't talk to my cousins, man. What are you talking about? What are we drinking on, though? Tonight, we are drinking on... You wrong. We're drinking on... Bartow Brown. By Drowned Valley Brewing Company out of Cartersville, Georgia. If you don't know anything about Cartersville, Georgia, that's where Trevor Lawrence is from. That boy plays some good old football. I'll tell you he what. He got pretty hair. Man, I wish I, I'd rock that hair so hard if I had it. When he was in high school, his hair had its own Facebook page. It still does. <laughs> well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Well, let's get into the case. How about you? Here we go. All right, we'll get into the case. <laughs> this one is a do a z. It is extremely strange, which I think is kind of par for the course with our cases. But go for it, my friend. Let's All right, get so right into it. A friend of Mr. Ryan Singleton told authorities on July seventh of 2013 that Ryan was traveling from LA to Las Vegas, but did not disclose the nature of those travels on July the 8th of 2013. Ryan had headed back to LA and it appeared that he had an Avis rental car, but at that time, no one knew who rented the car from Avis and why there was a car rented on July the 9th. Ryan called a friend in Los Angeles to pick him up from Baker after his rental car had broke down driving to Las Vegas. When the friend arrived in Baker, he was unable to find Ryan, so he just turns around and drives back to L.A. and filed a missing persons report the next day. 
Now, Baker, California is a town with a population of probably 735 people in San Bernardino County. It's approximately 200 miles from L.A. and is usually one of the more common stops for travelers heading to and from Las Vegas, which is basically only 94 miles away from Baker. Situated in the Mojave Desert and the southern end of Death Valley, the temperatures in July average triple digits and can reach 120 degrees or higher. And I think on the day in question, it was 123. Well, they don't typically nickname something Death Valley if it's pleasant. It's not a whole Greenland, Iceland no. type thing where they try to trick you. No, no. anything <laughs> with the word death in it or yeah. Devil's Knob or... <laughs> nickname in high school. <laughs> That was his uh, B-rated porn name, Devil's Knob. (laughs) Oh, me. So on or near July the 9th, Ryan had reportedly been found walking along I-15 by two California Highway Patrolmen, who then let, well, I don't guess let him, gave him a lift to a convenience store in Baker after, according to the two highway patrolmen, they drove around for a little bit trying to find his rental car, which they could not find. Mm. At this convenience store, they see Ryan walk out, and they pull off, and that is the last time Ryan is seen. Now, there is security footage of him. Is it an A&P out there that he was in? I believe it is. Yeah. There is security footage of him purchasing... I think a drink, not a drink, not an alcoholic drink, but a drink drink. Not a martini, but a Coca-Cola, a pop, soda. Better be a water. Yeah, it better be. Now, when Ryan was initially reported missing, law enforcement in the nearby county of Barstow or town of Barstow was originally assigned to the case. But... San Bernardino Sheriff's Department would take over the investigation 74 days later on September the 21st, 2013, when Ryan's remains were found. And the way he is found is very strange. Extremely strange. His remains were found by two men who had been hiking in the desert. Now, let's stop right there for a second. I don't necessarily understand people that just hike anyway. But if you're going to hike in a desert, that's a that's next level. Well, nah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Fair <laughs> enough. I, I see your point, sir. <laughs> so, when the body is found, uh, Ryan had suffered a skull fracture, brain hemorrhaging, and the kicker was he didn't have any organs in his body. Well, they were some were missing. Yes. Very, very strangely. He's going to be missing his eyes, his liver, his heart, and his lungs, correct? Yes. Is that it? Uh, I have the actual autopsy report. We can get into it more in detail when we go get to that, but I believe that's what it is. Most of the ribs on the left side of the body had been moved away from the body and it appeared that the thoracic organs were missing along with the thoracic musculature is what the coroner's report stated. No internal organs of the chest, abdomen, or pelvis were present. Mm. 
So he's missing pancreas. He's missing spleen. Everything. Everything. Now, does the, the autopsy report state anything about an incision or a bite marks or tears in the flesh? Because everything I saw didn't mention it. It didn't mention bite marks, nor did it mention incision. So it leaves a whole lot to the imagination for people to figure out what happened. All right, so who was Mr. Ryan Singleton? Well, he was from Georgia. Yes, he was a native Georgian who had just recently, before his trip to L.A., had relocated. He had relocated back to Georgia in April of 2013, and prior to returning to Georgia, he had briefly resided in New York City. In September of 2012, Singleton moved to New York from California, where he had an apartment that was occupied by former acquaintances. After returning home, he had enjoyed working as a lifeguard in DeKalb County, Georgia. So one day in late June of 2013, Ryan had briefly visited with his former acquaintances from California who now lived in Douglas County, Georgia. He had not seen them since September of 2012 following a serious disagreement. And I could not find what that disagreement was or what it entailed but I guess it was bad enough that they didn't speak for a while. Now, the acquaintances and Ryan had previously worked on a project together from June of 2010 through September of 2012. And I believe this was one of his modeling gigs. He's a decent looking dude. Yeah. There is no evidence of a continued relationship following the June encounter with his friends and himself. On July the 4th of 2013, Ryan met with family and friends at a cookout in Atlanta. When he returned home later that evening, he asked to be driven to downtown Atlanta where he met with someone. While in downtown Atlanta, he also saw an acquaintance who is referred to as LT, who just happens to be a resident of Las Vegas. Now, after seeing LT... He tells friends and family that he will be traveling to Arizona to meet with someone from the Arizona Cardinals. On July the 5th, 2013, he was scheduled to leave for Arizona, but due to inclement weather, he departed on July the 6th. Ryan said that he would return back to Georgia on July the 9th of 2013. It appears that on July the 7th that he drove a like we stated earlier, a rental car from L.A. to Arizona and to Las Vegas. Why did he fly into Los Angeles only to drive to Las Vegas? And why was he headed back to L.A. on July the 8th? Why not just fly into Las Vegas if you're supposed to meet the Arizona Cardinals? I don't know. So... On July the 8th, 2013, Ryan called a friend, TK, who lived in Los Angeles, and TK asserts that Ryan had told him that he was going to pull over his car and get some rest. TK does not state where Ryan pulled over or if Ryan told him where he was pulling over. It also appears that TK did not hear from Ryan again until July the 9th. Now, unfortunately, there are very few validated facts to support anything that TK 
states. However, there are some facts that we will go over that regard to TK and Ryan's past encounters. TK alleged that Ryan called him on July the 9th to state that he was running low on gas. It doesn't state the time or where Ryan was at the time of the call, which is odd because every other statement that TK gave to law enforcement, it is detailed to the minute what time and where he was located. Later on July the 9th, TK sent Ryan $60 by depositing depositing it into his bank account. No one seems to know why TK had access to Ryan's bank account and Cash App was not back then. And PayPal took a couple of days. Ryan's mother states that Ryan called her on July the 9th at approximately 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, which would have put it around 6.30 Pacific Standard Time. Ryan requested money from her and told her not to disclose his whereabouts to his friend KB from New York. Mrs. Flowers said that within 10 minutes of the call, she sent Ryan $100 and immediately called him back to provide the Western Union money tracking number. However, he did not answer his telephone and did not respond to her text messages. She states that she continued to call and text but never received a response. So the question is, why would he contact his mother asking for a $100 deposit and then not answer her call or return her text when she said she had done just what he had asked? Now, according to Miss Flowers, Ryan's friend KB, and I apologize for all these initials, but this is how they're referred to in the article and on Reddit and WebSleuths. They're not given anybody's real name. But Mrs. Flowers would state that it was odd that Ryan would tell her not to mention his whereabouts to KB because KB had actually contacted her asking about Ryan around 10 a.m. on July the 9th. According to Mrs. Flowers, KB called from supposedly New York and asked her about Ryan's whereabouts. She had already told KB that he was in California, but she had not heard back from him. At this time, KB would tell Mrs. Flowers that Ryan was in, quote, danger in California. Mrs. Flowers states that he never elaborated as to what type of danger Ryan might encounter, but it is extremely odd that he would just up and call from New York the day that Ryan goes missing. Now, TK would claim that at around 3.50 on July the 9th, Ryan called him and said that he was in Baker, California, and we had touched on this at the beginning. However, according to an investigative report, Ryan supposedly had a police encounter because his car ran out of gas at that same time. So somebody's wrong. So either the the police wrong or TK be wrong. I'm thinking. I'm thinking TK wrong. TK wrong. I mean that's just. But again, time. I mean he wasn't it, there. And the thing is, and I I make fun of him being wrong, but 
unless something traumatic happened at that moment, he's not going to remember. Was it three fifty? Was it two fifty? Was it four fifty? Was it three fifty? Yeah. You know, was it three fifteen? And I thought it was three fifty. But anyway, the police were driving around Ryan at that time, trying to locate his car, but were unable to find it or where he had left it. Baker's not a very big town like we discussed. It's got 750 people in it. Yeah, that's small. If your car runs out of gas in Baker, I'm pretty sure you can find a rental car on the side of the road somewhere. Yeah. And that's an even odder situation that you are riding around with two highway patrolmen looking for your car and you can't find it and they don't find that strange. They just drop you off at a and P. But anyway, now there is no evidence that Ryan told TK why he needed transportation or why he could not remember the location of his car. Besides the fact that he ran out of gas. More troubling is the report. The investigative report does not state the time that the, police dropped him off at the A&P food store. Now, there is the security footage, but we all know if security cameras are, are working, the time and date's always wrong. And if the time and date's right, then something happened to the security footage, and that shit ain't working. Which is not uncommon, as we've learned. Sometimes there's always, there's issues with security cameras. They're not infallible. You know, sometimes there's malfunctions, sometimes there's not. You never know. They may be missing wires. Maybe it's a cover-up. Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> so, well, I mean, so that's pretty much the story. Once you get starting to research in this, people are going to point out the fact that they're going to really put a lot of stock in the fact that he got married to a man twice his age and he didn't really tell his mother. And they're going to try to make connections to that to try to make it a bigger story than it really is. Maybe he wasn't that close to his mom. Maybe he didn't want her to know. Maybe he was using this man for, you know, whatever people use people for, you know. And he, they were estranged. They didn't stay married that long. Um, by the time he disappears, the mother is aware that he was married. So it's not like he just kept that secret forever. He and just didn't let her know at the time. Basically, she didn't attend the wedding. Right. So people try to make, make a, a big huge deal out, of deal out of that. And his estranged husband is actually on good terms with his mother, according to the 11 Alive report. Yeah. So the reason why this is a mystery, if you just if you look at it from a far off distance. It just kind of looks like the man had a, whatever issue he had, he had some car trouble. He went walking in the desert, dehydrated and died. But the reason why this is a mystery is because Reddit and the internet has really, really, really latched on to the, the fact that the man does not have any organs. And his shirt's missing. And he's, well, I mean, you walking in the desert, it's going to get hot. Well, what I had read about the shirt was, <laughs> And it, it was kind of like just a one sentence, and I was like, what? But the, um, the coroner report would state that he didn't have a shirt on, but it says that he was wearing black shorts, black socks, and a pair of sneakers on both feet. You would think, if you're in the middle of the desert, I'd be taking anything black off. You going to take your shoes off in the desert? No, it didn't say the shoes were black. I'm talking about the I'm socks and the socks and the well, hell, if it's in the desert, go ahead. I mean, I it's wear, just sand. Listen, I wear just sand. A hundred. 
123 degree sand, but it's okay. Yeah. I wear black socks with everything. Oh, I do too. I mean, I don't care if I'm wearing a speedo, a tuxedo. I don't care. I'm wearing black socks. If I have all I had, not spit beer all over my. <laughs> if I have sneakers on, shorts, pants, I don't care. I don't own any white socks, but I don't give a damn how hot it is. I'm not taking my socks off and walking in my shoes. You're gonna get blisters. That's how you get blisters. Well, that's what I've heard. But anyway, getting back to the important part, he's missing all his. He is missing his organs. So clearly. He was murdered for his organs. They're going to say it's organ harvested. Yeah, he was harvested for his organs. He was abducted, murdered, robbed of his organs, and they hit the black market. But the autopsy report, and the thing about that is, is the autopsy report itself is pretty much debunks. It doesn't get into great detail about what my thing was, well, did he see bite marks from animals? Did he see incision marks? The man's already decomposed too much to even be able to tell that. Yeah, he was missing for 73, 74 days. In the desert. It's not going to take very long. The autopsy report's going to state that he's partially skeletonized. And that his, the skin that is present is like leather. He is The skin is, quote, heavily mummified and leather-like. Every time it mentions the missing organs, especially the eyeballs, it's going to talk about animal predation. It's going to talk about insects. It's not going to mention anything towards odd incisions. It's not going to, like, if the man's going to be robbed of his organs for the black market, they're going to use some sort of surgical precision. You get what I'm saying? I got you. So... The man's out there for 70 days. How can it be? But people are going to harp on it. They're going to say that that's one of the main theories. His organs are going to be harvested and sold on the black market. They're also going to be um, reports of perhaps a satanic ritual. Yeah, the article that I found that really dives deep into the organ harvesting starts off with, at 24 years old, Ryan Singleton's body suffered severe trauma. His vital organs were missing from his body. To suggest that they are missing would subliminally imply that they could be found. How can we find Ryan's organs? Where are Ryan's organs? Who has Ryan's organs? Why would someone want or need Ryan's organs? What would cause someone to remove his organs? When were Ryan's organs removed? So they're like neck deep in that this was organ harvesting. Yeah. They they go on to even state and cite a 2009 interview for Newsweek with Nancy Shepard Hughes, a medical anthropologist and professor at the University of California, Berkeley, who was consulted during Singleton's, uh, it's not, not missing, not, I guess when his body was found, she was consulted since she was an anthropologist. Yeah. And she told... Fox News that it is highly unlikely that he was killed for, so his organs could be harvested. But the reason that I bring that up is 
in a, the Newsweek article, article in 2009, she tells Newsweek that, quote, I believe surgeons in the Philadelphia hospital have been transplanting black market kidneys from residents of the world's most impoverished shit. Impoverished shit. A huge cloud of shit. The world's most impoverished slums into failing bodies of wealthy dialysis patients from Israel, Europe, and the United States. Further, she goes further and, and quote, says, people all over were telling me that they didn't have to go to a third world hospital, but they could get their transplant surgery done in New York, Philadelphia, or L.A. And the reason that this takes root or hold on Reddit, Web Sleuths, and the interwebs is because Mr. Singleton had lived in New York and he had modeled in L.A. There, the article's biggest point of contention was he was missing for 74 days but on it but his body was found two hours from la in the mojave desert is what they leave out he's also yeah but he's also going to be found two miles away from the convenience store they dropped him off at so it's definitely walking distance from the convenience store to where he was found this article crucifies miss sheffer hughes and they said that she made this statement to Fox News before she had ever spoken to Singleton's mother, examined his remains, or even obtained a copy of the autopsy report. The article goes on to quote a lot of the human trafficking or sold articles and threads and sold stands for sex organ labor, and drug trafficking. Now, according to the Newsweek article, Frank Delmonico, a surgery professor at Harvard Medical School and advisor to the WHO, said that organ selling had become a global problem and it's likely to get much worse unless we confront the challenges of policing it. Now, organ trafficking is a billion-dollar business in the U.S. and around the world. By 2012, Persons other than relatives accounted for half of live or living kidney donations in the U.S. and 47% in the European market for transplants. And those European countries include Austria, Belgium, Croatia, Germany, Hungary, 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 <laughs> Luxembourg, the Netherlands, and Slovenia. It does happen. But to... Kidnap an American, harvest the organs of said American, and then just dump him out in the middle of the desert to be found. That's bad for business. If you're going to harvest the organs of somebody, why let them be found? Why not just dissolve them in acid or carry them further out in the Mojave or cut them up into one inch by one inch chunks and feed them to a dog. I mean, I'm just saying leaving a, a, a victim of human organ harvesting to be found by the authorities is a terrible business model. True. And we need to state this young man was 24 years old. He was six foot five very athletic, a model, so he kept in good shape. Yeah. 
Like, you're not going to see me modeling. Unless it's for husky. <laughs> husky underoos. <laughs> Corner, here's what, and this is another thing that the coroner's report did not touch on, and it leads to conjecture is that, and Ms. Flowers is on record as saying this is one of her concerns. The coroner's report did stated no tattoos were found on Ryan, but he did have tattoos. Huh. And she cannot find the names of the two highway patrolmen that reportedly picked him up and dropped him off. Well, I would... I Probably would, because there wasn't a report done. They were just being community policemen. They don't, yeah. You're not going to document, hey, we tried to help this guy find his car. Well, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. But if you're in on this organ harvesting thing and you're all, you are that cop, you're not going to make that report because you were in on it. So, I, I, I mean, I see how... Now, his rental car was found supposedly a day after he was reported missing. Well, surely, surely the police that gave him a ride had to respond to their dispatch. Yeah. There hey, should be some something. record of yeah, it. Yeah, I agree with you. You're not going to just pick up a six foot 14, 75 foot tall model in the middle of the desert and not let your dispatch know. It's just dumb. So the fact that there is no record is pretty... She's got a point there. The other thing that she points out is when she inquired about the rental car, there was no fingerprints in the in the car. And Ryan's phone and backpack were inside. But when his body was found, his wallet and another cell phone were found with his body. Now, here's an oddity. And according to Miss Flowers, this is true. She had to view what was left of her son's body after his remains were finally sent home to her. But before she buried him in late 2013, she paid an independent medical examiner who she did not wish to name to perform another autopsy. She became alarmed when she said the same medical examiner called her on June the 27th of 2016, three years later, to pick up her son's remains. She said, quote, I'm like, what are you talking about? You sent me his body and I put it in the ground. So what are you saying? Come pick up Ryan's remains because you had nowhere to store it. She said the medical examiner told her he was retiring and washing his hands of this case. Wow. So we've kind of poked holes in the whole organ harvesting. Well, it's not that simple. I mean, I think the, the organ harvesting is... Very unlikely, but I think his mother has a legitimate reason to think that something bad has happened to her son. I think she has legitimate reason to not believe that it's just an accident. Because again, we talked about he got married without her knowing. Uh, she actually found out on Facebook. That's how she found out. So, however, four months after he was married, him and his his husband, uh, I believe the name was Kaith separated and Ryan moved back in with his mom in Georgia and she definitely knew something was wrong with her son. So she's going to pry, she's going to start asking questions and one night she's going to have a conversation with him and he's just going to make a weird statement to her. He just says, quote, something bad is going to happen to me, isn't it? And she responds, what are you talking about? And then she asks if, if you do owe somebody money What's going on? Just, and he said, no. 
uh, I've just done a lot of things to hurt a lot of people. End quote. And she never got any more information out of him. That's just where he left it. Extremely odd. That is an extremely odd thing to say. So maybe he was involved in something that he wasn't supposed to be. Her questions are, she doesn't know who paid for his plane ticket from Atlanta to California and why, even though he said he was meeting with the Arizona Cardinals. She also does not know who rented the car from Avis. Supposedly it was not Ryan. She wants to know who in the Cardinals organization did he visit and why, what was the nature of the visit, and did anybody travel with him from California to the Arizona Cardinals and to Las Vegas. Now, one of the biggest things or glaring questions is from 9.30 a.m. till about 4 o'clock p.m. on July the 9th, Ryan had full access to his phone, but never once tried to call or text his mom regarding the money transfer that we talked about earlier. He never picked up the money that he requested that she send him either. Did Ryan talk to KB from New York on July the 9th, or did KB call searching for Ryan? That might explain why he did not pick up his money, because he feared that KB would know his exact location. Now, the other thing about the car being found the next day was maybe it was outside of the police's jurisdiction, but he states, or not he states, uh, the article states that he was picked up by highway patrolmen. If that's the case, they've got, it's kind of like state patrol in California. So they have jurisdiction over the whole thing. So why would they not be able to locate his car? I don't blame this woman for thinking something bad happened to her son. That it was more than just an accident. No fingerprints. No report. The comments he made, I mean, I would hope that my loved ones would be um, investigating this too. So now we get to our opinions and our theories on this. And I'll have to tell you this one is a little difficult because on the one hand, you have a lot of medical professionals saying he was scavenged, he was out there long enough that his skin basically mummified. But then on the other hand, you know, I'm like his mother. I just need some concrete proof, 100%, which I guess you're not going to because he had been out in the elements so long. But for me, it's a tough one. I kind of lean toward there may have been some dealings that were not on the up and up, but right now, with the facts that we have, I would have to say that he basically was scavenged and that's why his organs are missing yeah i don't think that this i don't know how he died i don't know what happened there maybe there was foul play maybe there's not but i don't think the man was killed for his organs i think the man died he was in the desert for 74 days and animals did what animals do he's found mummified i mean he he'd been out there there's no way he was just placed there you don't get mummified by accident no. <laughs> I was just walking and I accidentally got mummified. Yeah. Now, whether or not 
he was murdered or whatever, we can't tell. But to say that this guy was, I'm just going to say the mystery of his organs is just, just sensationalized news to me. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, now we get into recommendations. And I will start us off with the recommended podcast of Real Crime Profiles. And I had recommended them before, but this time I am recommending them based on they are doing a six or seven part episode on OJ. Yeah, he did it. Yeah, they, spoiler so, alert. They called the uh, dream team the scheme team. Spoiler alert. I but they've done a they've done a good job. I hate to break it to y'all. OJ's guilty. <laughs> uh I'm going to recommend the podcast Cigar Store Idiots. I don't know who they are. You do. They did give us a shout out. They went and uh interviewed Terrapin Bruin. That's awesome. And they gave us a shout out mm-hmm. during it. I'm gonna have to actually listen. I don't know if they gave it to us during it, but on their Instagram post, they uh, tagged us in like hashtag Mysterious Bruise. I know that they're one of their uh, next episodes. They're gonna interview a guy that beat my ass in jujitsu. So fun times. <laughs> uh, dude named Joe Elmore, who's actually two and zero at the bare knuckle fighting championships. If you happen to watch that. I personally would never do that, man. He he won his last fight, but his whole face was swollen beyond swollen. Like, he was crazy. But, yeah, so check those out. All right, ladies and gentlemen. I guess. Deuces. <laughs>